Old Testament, <clears throat> excuse me, the Old Testament book of Psalms. I'm going to be sharing Psalm 100 this morning and praying that God's Holy Spirit has His way in our midst today, that God's here and God's going to be at, God's going to be at work uh, in and around all of us. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us that we're two or three, and I, I, lots of times that's pulled out of context, but the Bible tells us that we're two or three are gathered in His name, that God's there in the midst with us. So, so God's here today. It's just a matter of whether or not we, we're going to allow Him to, to speak to our hearts. And talking about God being places, before we get into the message, I remember when we were still down in South Carolina and Zachary and Seth were like real little, Joshua was probably just a toddler and we've been having some problems with uh, discipline problems with Zachary and Seth and some things never change. Some things, okay. But so we figured, you know, we tried everything we could. So I figured, well, we'll go take them to Pastor Jim. And we went to Pastor Jim, and, and uh, he brought him in one at a time. And I was in, in the outer office with, with Joshua, and, and uh, Zach was in, the, in, in Pastor Jim's office with him. And I didn't know what went on until afterwards, but Pastor Jim told me. But it, it went along some, something like this. Zachary's sitting there, and Pastor Jim goes, Zachary? Yes, sir. Where is God? And Zachary's kind of fidgeted, and he doesn't know what to do, and he doesn't say anything, and Pastor Jim looks at him again and says, Zachary, yes, sir, where is God? And Zachary's fidgeting some more, and he's like, I, I'm, I'm not sure, the last third time, Zachary, where is God? <clears throat> Zachary gets scared, he runs out of Pastor Jim's office, he goes in into where, where Seth and I are, and Seth's like, what's going on, Zach? He said, I don't know, but God's missing, and Pastor Jim thinks we took him. <laughs> Did you get that, Helen? Okay, just want to make sure. Psalm 100, if you're physically able, out of reverence to God's Word, you'd stand, please. This is a psalm of thanksgiving. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. May God bless us by the reading and the, the hearing but most especially the doing of His word. You may be seated. couple things I want to ask us about this morning, uh, about whether or not we're thankful. First of all, as we show our thanks, especially when we come into God's presence, are we thankful with a joyful noise? Are we thankful with a joyful noise? I know Rachel, th this morning when uh, she gave the introduction, I don't remember exactly what it was she said, and you guys were kind of like, mm -hmm. And she, she made, made us all say it again. When we come into God's presence, are, are, we, are we thankful? When you, walk through these, when you walk through the doors this morning, were you here expecting to see God at work? Were you coming here prepared with an attitude to worship? 
was our hearts, were we, were we preparing our hearts to be right, or were we thinking about, well, the Thanksgiving dinner that's coming up, uh, you know, a little, little ways down the road here, time-wise and physical-wise down the road? Were we thinking about, oh, well, i got to start getting my Christmas shopping done? Were we thinking about, well, man, I want to get home in time to see the game. If the Redskins are playing today, guys, you know what's going to happen, so what's the sense in going home to watch, you know? But do we prepare ourselves? Are we thankful with a joyful noise? Are we thankful with a joyful noise at home? In other words, do we have an attitude of praise when we're at home and by ourselves and we think about God? Are we thankful with a joyful noise at work? And I don't mean we got to be running around thumping our Bibles and waving tracts in the air and saying, oh, God's so good to me. Here, take one of these and give your life to Jesus. I'm just talking about are we, pray pray are we praising Him with a joyful noise Wow, I thought I had this thing fixed. Are we, are we thankful with a joyful noise at our workplaces? And then again, how about at church? Again, are you excited? I see so many people, you know, come. It looks like the like this. Remember that old guy, that, that old guy Tim Conway used to play on the Caribbean? I mean, that's the way it, is, it seems like some folks are coming into church on Sunday morning, you know. And, and then, you know, I get a better view than you guys do. I guess it depends on your point of view, whether or not it's a better view. But man, some Sunday morning, some of you guys looked like you, you were weaned off a dill pickle. And, and I realize we've all got troubles and trials and tribulations, but, but you know what? We should still be thankful that, that we're here. We should still be thankful uh, that there's a God that loves us and, and there's a God that takes care of us. So man, we should want to be running into God's house to worship, praise, and fellowship. Do you realize this morning that all of God's creation makes a joyful noise to Him? Look outside; the, the trees and the grass are doing exactly what they supposed to what, what they what they're supposed to do. That's making a joyful noise to God. You guys that are hunters, I think we're done with hunting. Seth's already got his limit. But the deer are doing, this time of year, exactly what they should be doing. Their, their, their coats have changed. They're in the mating season. That's what deer are supposed to do this time of year. Nature, the animals, everything makes a joyful noise to God. Well, why is it that the ones that He specifically created to make a joyful noise to Him and to praise Him have such a hard time doing it? You know, we can go to a, a football game or a baseball game and, and yell and cheer and scream and make fools out of ourselves, and it's fine. But yet so many, so many times it's hard for us to raise our hand or, or to give God an amen when we're, when we're worshiping Him. I'm not saying we turn Pentecostal and start jumping pews and swinging from the chandeliers, but, you know, man, we can, we can let it out sometimes. You know, thank you. That's just like that. You know, do we enter thankfully? With a, do we praise Him with a joyful noise, as we as we saw in verse one? In verse two, it says, "Serve the Lord with gladness and come before His presence with singing." Are we thankful to God and show it with our service? Are we thankful to what He's done? Again, going back to Romans twelve, you know, I beseech you, brethren, present yourselves a living sacrifice. Are we thankful with our service, or do we serve begrudgingly? Well, pastor asked me to do this, or 
or Miss Helen or, 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 or Miss Linda or, or, or Miss Kathy or Victor asked me to do this. I don't really want to do it, but I'll look bad if I say no, so I'm going to do it. You know, do we do it begrudgingly or do we not serve at all? Folks, if all you do on Sunday morning, and I'm probably preaching to the choir this morning, but if all you do is come on Sunday mornings and sit soaking sour in a pew and then that's it as far as serving God goes until, uh, until next Sunday, you, you've missed the whole point. You've missed the whole point. How do we come in His presence? Do we come in, as I asked earlier, with an air of expectation? Man, God's going to work in somebody's life. God's going to work in my life. Somebody's going to leave here saved. Somebody's going to leave here changed. I'm going to leave here changed. Or do we come in with the attitude, well, it's what I do Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock, and we come in and we chunk chunk, punch our spiritual time clock, and then we go home. And again, I'm not advocating us going Pentecostal, but man, you know what? It would be nice to, to hear more joy in our voices when we sing. To see more smiles on our faces. You know. Because we're in here to, to, to worship the one who gives us life. We're in here to worship the one that, as I said earlier, put the roof over our head, the clothes on our back, the food in our stomachs and, and on our shelves. He's given us the jobs we've got. He's given us the finances we've got. He's given us the vehicles to get around in. He's given us the health to do all these things. So, folks, whether it's the Sunday morning for Thanksgiving or any of the other 52 Sunday mornings of, of the year, we should, man, we should be coming in here thankful and, and, and praising God and having a smile on our face and joy in our heart to the point where it's almost, if we don't do something, it's going to bust out on its own. But yet we have such a hard time doing that. Verse 3 you see, we see it says, know that he's God. I'm sorry, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We should be thankful that God made us and not the other way around. We should be thankful God made us and, and not the other way around. And you might be thinking, well, how could we create a God on our own? Folks, people do it every single day. You talk to people all the time that, that, may, that aren't Christians and they, they ask what you believe and then you, you say, well, what do you believe in? And they say, well, I believe this and this and this and this. And what they've done is they've created a God in their own mind. Or you run into folks, well, well I, I, I talked to somebody one time and said, man, I took the best part of all the religions and I put them all together. Well, that's creating a God in your own mind. I had a, a fellow that I used to run with a little bit when I was in the Navy and I was in seminary at the time and, and uh, he said, uh, uh, he, he asked me one day he's, uh, about what I believed and, and he, uh, he said, well, me and God got everything worked out. I said, you do? He said, yeah. I said, well, tell me something about this. He said, well, you know, I was talking to God one day and, and uh, I told God or, or God told me that as long as I was a good guy and I didn't cuss a whole lot and I didn't do a whole lot of bad things, you know, that, that things were going to be fine and I was going to go to heaven. Like, really? That's pretty interesting because I, I said, my Bible tells me that there's not one of us that's good, that there's not one of us that can earn our salvation. You know, that, that the only way for salvation is to, is to come through Jesus Christ. Well, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, but there's a difference between believing in him, believing all the, the, the facts 
and then taking those facts and turning from your sin by an act of faith, turning from your sin and turning to Jesus and asking him to save you. And, of course, the conversation got changed then. We have people, we have people in the church today that claim to be Christians that create God in their own image. They, they hold to their traditions as opposed to what the Bible says. And when you're holding to your traditions or your interpretation of the Bible, that interpretation is correct, you've created a God in your own image. Well, I know I, know I should serve, but, but God told me I don't have to. I, I, I know I should worship, but God told me I don't have to. I know I should, I should be, be witnessing, but God told me I don't have to do that. Well, you know what? None of that's biblical. And when you, when you do that, you're creating a God in your own image. You can say you know Jesus. You can say you love Jesus. But either there's some bad teaching or you've gotten some bad teaching somewhere and are misinformed or, or you're not saved to begin with. Because if it goes against the Bible, it's a God you've created in your own mind. And guys, I'm glad that, 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 that the God I worship isn't a God that I created in my own mind. Y'all know me. You've heard me say it before. You know me well enough that I've got a pretty vivid imagination. But you know what? There's even a limit to my imagination. And to take care of somebody like me, it's going to take a God a whole lot more powerful than what I can imagine to keep me straight and to keep me in line. And secondly, if, if it was the other way around and we created God as opposed to Him creating us, we would still be dead in our sin and bound for hell. Because the Bible tells us Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The Bible tells us that through Jesus Christ, that, that, that through Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, is the only way we can find remission and forgiveness of sins. The Bible tells us that there is one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. If the God I served was the God I created in my own mind, then I'm still dead in my sins, and I'm still going to a real place the Bible calls hell. And guess what? That's just not true for John Hodgen. That's true for each and every one of us. If it's a God we created in our own mind. We read right here that He created us and tends us, tends to us and loves us as a shepherd does his sheep. You want to know how you want to know how you can know if you're a sheep and not a goat? Jesus talked about a parable that, that, that one day everybody's going to come and they're going to be separated, the sheep from the goats. The sheep, the ones that are his, and the goats, the ones that aren't his. You know you're a sheep as if when you hear his voice, you respond to it. Tammy and I got to go to Israel. I've, I've told you that several times. But when we, got to, when we got to go, one of the things that amazed me was we, we were out in the country and... <clears throat> We saw some pasture land. It was, a, it was an early morning trip, and, and we got out there. And what happens is a lot of the, the, the different shepherds, they'll keep all the sheep in the same pen for protection. They, that way all the sheep are together, and all the shepherds can kind of you know, do their rounds or whatever. And so you've, you've, you've got a lot of protection with, with minimal work so everybody can get a little bit of sleep. Well, when the morning comes and it's time for the sheep to go out, what we saw happen was one shepherd would go this way, one shepherd would go this way, one shepherd would go this way, one shepherd would go that way. They'd open the gate, and the minute the shepherd called, the sheep knew the voice of his shepherd, 
And he knew exactly which one of those several shepherds to go to. Not one of them had a sheep that didn't belong to them because the sheep knew their shepherd's voice and they obeyed it. Do we pay attention to the shepherd's voice when he speaks to us? If we don't, there's one of two reasons. Either we're not saved or we're showing our sheepness because sheep are the dumbest animals, as Jerry Clower would say, whatever lived. The sheep are the dumbest animals out there. They've got no means of protection. They've got no common sense. They, they, will, you know, they, they will literally eat themselves off the side of a cliff. They, won't know, they don't know when to stop. When, when, when danger comes, like, like a, a wolf or a coyote, they, they have no idea what to do. They, in fact, they freeze up. If we belong to the shepherd, we're going to pay attention when the shepherd speaks to us. We're going to, we're going to know his voice and we're going to obey him. So we should be thankful he created us and not the other way around. Next, in verse 5, we read, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Well, what else should we be thankful for? Three things right here. His goodness, his mercy, and his truth. First of all, we should be thankful for his goodness. Every one of us are here today by virtue of God's goodness. Every one of us today have got everything we have, whether it's a lot in the world's eyes or whether it's a little in the world's eyes. Everything we have got is from God. In fact, the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from above. So whether we have a lot in the world's eyes or a little in the world's eyes, we've got because of the goodness of God. We're alive because of the goodness of God. We have the families we have for good or bad. There's got to be good aspects and even the worst families, but we've got them because of the goodness of God. I've got a wife that has put up with me for 30 years because of the goodness of God. I've got a church family that loves me, that loves us and supports us due to the goodness of God. And folks, it's not like that everywhere. Right, Tammy, you, I, don't, I don't know whether you guys believe us half the time or not, but, but we are so blessed to be here. When uh, my mom was bragging on you guys, she was telling me a couple of weeks ago she was having breakfast at the Hardee's in Clifton Forge with, with, with her best friend, and, and uh, they were sitting down, and, and mom was telling them everything that you guys, I told my mom everything y'all did for us for, for pastor appreciation. And she was telling her, her best friend that. And, and uh, across the restaurant was a, a fellow that was a, a deacon or elder, uh, Presbyterian church, uh, was a deacon or elder, whatever they have in their church. And she called him over and, and uh, she said, listen to what, what Carol's son's church did for them for pastor appreciation. And they, my mom told him and she said, the guy seemed like he was pretty unimpressed by what, by what went on. And, and, uh, so my mom's friend asked him, said, well, what did we do anything for, what, what did we do for our pastor, for pastor appreciation? Nothing. She's like, nothing? She's, yeah, we don't do that kind of thing. We're Presbyterians. And my mom said, it's not a Presbyterian thing. It's a, it's a, it's a pastor thing, a church thing. And his reply was, well, our pastor's got enough perks as it is, so we don't need to do anything for him. I dare say if that pastor was worth half of his salary, he probably did a whole lot more and was probably worthy of twice of what he was getting. Uh, if that was the attitude of, of the people in his church. But I'm where I am because of the goodness of God. 
We should also be thankful for his mercy. You've heard me say before, what is justice? Justice is getting what you deserve. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. What is grace? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Pay no attention to the screens on the side. <laughs> we should be thankful for his mercy because the Bible tells us that we're all worthy of judgment. We're all worthy of, of a sinner's eternal hell. But because of God's mercy, he figured out a way to have his judgment and his justice satisfied, but at the same time keep us from getting what we deserve. We should be thankful for God's truth this morning. This book right here itself says, Jesus said, thy word is truth. Doesn't matter what the school system says. It doesn't matter what the government says. It doesn't matter what popular uh, opinion says. This word is truth. And this word will endure long after all these folks that tell us it isn't true are dead and gone. Been sharing with my uh, with with the new believers class how we can trust the Bible, and have talked about. And some of you have, have heard me preach messages before. Uh, how how based on biblical archaeology and and all these different methods that they or archaeology and and all these different methods that people that study ancient writings used to prove whether a text they have is trustworthy or untrustworthy. Some of those things are how many copies are there, uh, how much time frame between <clears throat> when the original was thought to have been written and when the earliest copies showed up. The Bible blasts everything away. But yet the same standard that, that these folks use for, for secular things, for secular writings, all of a sudden when it comes to the Bible, they want to throw out and say, oh, well, no, you can't. You can't judge it that way. But we see as we study that that even, even though we don't need to use their methods because to me, God's Word said it, that settles it. But if you accept their standards, then you've got to accept that what is written here is what was intended to be written here. And then the question that people have got to decide is, well, if the book is true, based on truth being it's, it's what was originally written, then people have got, to do, have got to make a judgment as to what they're going to do with Jesus Christ. And my Bible tells me that if I turn from my sin and I accept Him as Lord and Savior, I'm going to be saved. All my sins are going to be forgiven. God's promised to walk with me on this earth the rest of the time I'm on this earth, and then when my time here on this earth is done with, he's going to have a home waiting for me in heaven. We should be thankful for his mercy, for his, his, uh, his truth. And we also should be thankful for his goodness. And what we also need to be thankful for is the fact that all of this, his goodness, his mercy, his truth, I'll even throw in his grace, though it wasn't in there, all of this was shown to us on the cross. We should be thankful that God showed all of this to us on the cross when He took His one and only Son. And that doesn't mean a Son He bore. That means, in the Greek, that means another of the same kind. Co-equal, co-eternal with God. His Son willingly left the glories of heaven. 
came to dwell on this earth for 33 years with one purpose. Not to tell the world that he was a good teacher. Not to tell the world that he was a moral man. Not to tell the world that he was one of the greatest examples of, of morality that there could ever be. But he came for the sole purpose of dying on the cross to take on the sins of the world. To take on your sin and my sin. So that there'd be a way for us to be made right with God and to be saved and to be and to have a home in heaven. All that other stuff, as my, my old football coaches used to say, that's just gravy on the mashed potatoes. His sole purpose in coming was to come to die for the sins of the world. That's John Hodgins' sin. That, that, that's Rick Griffith's sin. That's Kenny Earth's sin. That's Cecil's sin. That's everybody's sin in here. And if, you, if you're thinking, well, he didn't come to die for my sin, yes, he did. The question is whether or not you're going to accept the sacrifice that he made. Because guess what? If you don't want to allow Jesus to pay the price for your sin, the Bible tells us that, that there's a time that's going to come where you're going to pay for it on your own. So we can either be thankful for the cross and, if, and, and, get, and be thankful that, that Jesus gave his life so that we're saved, or if you're here this morning, maybe this is a, a first Thanksgiving where you can be thankful that you understand the gospel this morning. And because you see now that Jesus died on the cross for, for everybody's sin, including your sin, be thankful for the fact that there's a way for you to be made right with God this morning. Maybe God's calling on you to give your life to Him today. Closing this morning, for all of these reasons, all of these reasons I've talked about and many others, we need to be doing what verse 4 says. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. And you know what? My Bible tells me that when I got saved, Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit came to live inside of me. So if, you, if, we, if we think about it logically, there's never a time when we are quote-unquote entering into his presence. We're always in his presence because he lives in us. And if he lives in us, man, we should, be, we should be thanking him all the time. We should be praising him all the time. We should be blessing him all the time. God, thank you that you woke me up again. You know. God, thank you that, yeah, maybe the, the gravy's a little bit lumpy, but man, I've got food on my plate today, you know. God, thank you that though I don't like cranberry sauce. There's other folks that like it and they'll eat it and I won't have to worry about eating leftovers. You know. There's numerous ways we can be thankful. Numerous ways that we can give him praise. Again, even, and I know we've got folks here in our church today that are, that are, are, are dealing with some, I mean, life-altering, tremendous issues. Pastor, that's me. Well, what can I be thankful for today? You can be thankful that God's given you life. You can be thankful that God's word tells you this, tells us that it's going to get better. Might not be today, might not be tomorrow. To be totally blunt and honest, it might not be while we're walking the face of this earth. 
But the other thing we need to be thankful for, third thing we need to be thankful for, and I could probably come up with a longer list, but I won't. It's thankful that God's word tells us I might not take you out of it, but I promise I'm going to walk through you with it. And then fourthly, and this is, this is tribute to, to your brothers and sisters here, more so than, than me being the pastor, you should be thankful that God put you in a body of brothers and sisters that as imperfect as we are, try the best we can to love each other and take care of each other and help each other as we walk out this walk. Amen. What are you thankful for today? What do you have to be thankful for today? I think we've got a tremendous amount to be thankful for. And what as Christians we should be trying to do and trying to remember is it doesn't just have to be the last Thursday of November. It doesn't just have to be on Sundays when you walk through the doors of the church. That as Christians we can be thankful and bless Him and praise Him every day of the week. Every hour we're awake, be thankful. Amen? Amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please. You might be here today and...